I feel compelled I need to just do an admonition and, and, um, and share a little bit real quick to get some people settled down. I, I'm probably going to do, I am going to do something a little more in depth, um, a little more revealing, a little more pointed this week, released on both Shield and Touch Heaven. But, but please, as I mentioned, sort of alluded to there, turn the noise off. Turn the noise off. I am getting inundated with conspiracies. And people intend to be well, but somebody sends something out, and then somebody else sends it, and nobody really knows where the beginning of it came from, and a lot of it, almost all of it is invalidated. And all it's doing is causing a lot of chaos, confusion, and when we as believers... Uh, participate in that. Remember who we represent. Amen. Remember who we represent. Amen. I said and I've preached it since 2015 and 2016 when God told me and I prophesied how that election was going to come out. I said from that point forward, it's not validating a person. It's validating the assignments of God. The assignments of God shall not change. And the anointing of God isn't simply upon one name, one family, one brand, one party. And God is able in the midst of everything to do what he's going to do. So let's keep that first and foremost. And my prayer, just so you know how I'm praying, I'm praying that we are able in this country to keep our rights to keep our rights, because very quickly they're trying to take them away. And, and let's not brand it on the president that's coming in. We don't know if he's even knowledgeable of all of that stuff going on. We have no clue. It's a bigger force than that. It's called the spirit of Antichrist. That's who we are warring against, not flesh and blood. So we are to pray for our leaders we don't pick and choose them after they're in place. We are to pray for them. There is no question about that in the Word of God. And so if we're going to be obedient to God, we pray for them. And we, I mean, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if uh, the fellow that controls Google or Facebook would, would find the Lord? You know, some of them thought that was crazy when we prayed for the, the mother of abortion to get saved, she got saved. Some of us thought it was crazy before our life when Darwin, who at that time was the greatest threat to creation, Christianity, on his deathbed got saved. So you understand how God can work and how we are the ones that are supposed to be bringing that forth. Love has a price. The love of Christ has a price, and that's called dying to self. Dying to self. Believe me, I am inundated daily with people who are passionate about causes. And I wrote, not I wrote, I was interviewed, and some were angry with me for agreeing to do an interview in the Washington Post, post a, a pre-election but the Lord spoke to me to do it. 
And the one thing I said that they, they printed, and they didn't really misquote me, but they did, but that's, I expected that. But the one thing that they said is that my heart is heavy, that the body of Christ is getting divided upon which cause somebody's passionate for. It's as if you can't be passionate for criminal injustice, for prejudice, if you're passionate for life and anti-abortion. Why? Why is that? That's not God. That's not God. That's flesh. And I'm going to lay this down here as well. We don't want to be the same as those that don't walk in the Spirit of God that are so quick to group and categorize people who don't agree with us and brand them, even as many of you and I are being branded. Right? You're not the person who you voted for. You're not a Trumper if you supported Trump. You're not a Bidener if you supported Biden. You're certainly not a Bernie Sanders if you supported Bernie. Huh? Who are we? We're the people of God. And let me tell you something. This can either be the moment when we walk discouraged like many in the world or where we're being those that are so resentful of those who are celebrating what they wanted and they think they're going to have right now. Or we can be those who celebrate Christ every day and the victory in Christ. Only you can lose your joy and be discouraged. Only you. If you allow me to take it from you, shame on you. If you allow a vote to take it from you, shame on you. You need to get on your knees and get closer to your God. If you allow what your dismal perception of the future is, then you need to go back to this book and start reading it because I'm going to tell you, my future, my plans and purposes with God are good. That's what he says. And you're a more than a conqueror in all things. And he who is within you is? Then he who is... So why are we cowering to the world? What are we worried about? What are we worried about? God laughs and man plans. Let's laugh with God. Let me say something to you. As big as you think this problem is in this country, whatever the side you're on, because if you're on the side of those who just won elections, you think the other side is crazy and deplorable and Trumpers just because they're on the other side. And if you're on the side that wishes it had gone a different way, then you think the other side is gone and crazy and just because they're whatever they are. Really? Let me say something to you. Focus our eyes upon the kingdom of God. Jesus is coming. My message is the kingdom right now. It's the kingdom. And anything that distracts us from the kingdom is a distraction that's taken us away from the power of God coming down upon this earth right now. We can politicize all we want. We can scheme all we want. All of those things will fail if it doesn't line up with the plan of God. So that's who we want to be in plan with. Amen? So let's not be those who are sending each other all of this noise about conspiracies. Stop it. 
I had somebody send me so much stuff yesterday and none of it came true. And, and it was well-intended people who said, I'm not sure if this is true, but just in case, well, then don't send it. Don't send it. I can tell you this much. This is how crazy it got. President Trump has got 10 days left. He was not on a 757 going to Colorado to plan out a militant overtaking of the country. Really? 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 Come on. Come on. And remember something. We have a very special right in this country, whether we agree with it or not. The right of protest. And there are people who are professional agitators and disruptors who infiltrate every protest. Whether it's black or white, Asian, brown, Republican, Democrat, anarchist, they infiltrate every one of them. And a bunch of good people follow them and get caught up in stuff. I assure you there's going to be a bunch, a whole bunch of people are going to get some charges against them that were inside that Capitol that were only there because they followed some other people through the door and they were taking pictures. They weren't there to, to destroy anything or cause anything. They just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and they didn't listen to the voice of God and nobody was talking to them. I had many invitations to speak there. I told you here, I'm not going because the Lord told me not to go. And my friends that went, I said, be careful. And they were, thank God. None of my friends got caught up in that that I know of. Not because they would have been bad. It would have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because of the spirit of evil that's released upon this world. Remember here, on a Sunday, the spirit of lawlessness and disorder being released. And the very next day, George Floyd was murdered. And it's been running rapid in this country ever since. And it's not going to stop. That genie's out of the bottle. It's not going to go back in the bottle because that's what we heard about that was coming in this time and era. But we're not those who need to succumb to that. We're those who can stand and do great exploits in the time of this. And you know, this may sound sadistic, and I hope you don't take it that way, but there's a, an excitement that's inside of me. I think, and I know that a lot of that is because I can sense and feel that Father God is clicking off his time clock, that nobody else knows about the coming of the Messiah. And that excites me. Because that's what we're born for. That's who we are. That's why we breathe, breathe and live and, and have our being right now is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. So yes, we should be excited. We should have anticipation. We should be anxious. And the other part of me is excited because God's not going to allow a complacent, sleeping church to continue to stay the way it is. Very quickly, he's exposing the goats and the sheep. And he's offering out with grace and mercy for goats to become sheep and for sheep to love even unto death. The message Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. It's here. It's that time. So, beloved, we're good. We're in a good place. We're in a good place. We're where God created you to be at this time. 
And he would not have put you in this place in this time unless you had every fiber of what you need for him, for his plans and purposes, not only to overcome, but to be victorious and to lead many like a shining light on the path and the way of the Lord. That's who you are. That's who we are. That's who you are. So I'm not worried. I shared with, with Dr. Bing on Tuesday night, and we chuckled together. I said, Doctor, I know. I mean, you know, after this and that, I, I, I'm at rest. I'm at rest because the Lord ground me down so hard to realize that he's got it, that I feel good being in that place. I'm not anxious. I'm not agitated. I'm not hanging on every word of what somebody does or doesn't do or what's... We're at rest. We're at peace. I'm going to be honest with you too. I prophesied in about 2001 that the time would come when the internet was really becoming strong and then again in 2008 and 2009 on national television that the time would come when the internet would begin to squeeze out the word of God and the people of God. And the time would come when it would be very difficult for ministries and true believers in Christ to be able to utilize those same tools for the world. It's coming right now. So we need to be those who believe in God to give us the avenues that we need. And we need to be those who communicate in the kingdom of God with the word of God. And we need to be those who stand strong in unity together. It's good news. It's not bad news. The gospel never turned into bad news. It's still the good news. And if you think you might have it tough, how would you have liked to have been one of the apostles in the first week of the church? How about the month? How about going to jail? How about being told you're going to be executed? How about being beaten and thrown over the side of a wall? How about your families hiding in the clefts of the rocks because they're afraid they're going to come and get them? How about having a dual enemy, the religious system? <laughs> that had the law to kill you and the Roman government that had the law to kill you. So we haven't yet, as it said in Hebrews, we've not strived against sin yet unto blood. We haven't. And I pray you don't. But I pray if we do, that we're just like Stephen full of the grace of God, the glory of God all over our face so much that it shines like the bright north star because he's looking into heaven and his last words, Father, forgive them. The same words of Jesus Christ. And he smiles his way out of his body as it's being stoned to death. That is ours to have unless you reject it. So my admonition to you as a pastor, as one who has a voice that reverberates in some places in the four corners, stop the noise. Don't participate in it. And if you do, don't be shocked that someone's going to attack you because you're going at it in the flesh. And you will get a fleshly response. Take it from me. I get them all the time. I don't know where they come up with some of this stuff these deranged people, but praise God. My, we had one on the phone the other day and my wife was horrified and she looked at me and I started laughing. 
She goes, what, 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 what? I said, it's crazy, that poor woman's nuts. She was from North Dakota or somewhere, some nurse from, if you're watching, God bless you. I really can say, I, I hold no offense against you. I thank you that you gave me a good laugh. I needed it at that moment. <laughs> all right, I didn't mean to go through all of that, but it's important for our church, our people, our ministries, be at rest, be at peace. It's not yours. It's not yours. You don't have to carry that burden. God's got it. And remember, he's doing a good work in everybody at the same time. Hmm? I said before he was elected, I said while he was elected, and I'll say now, whatever his transition is, Donald Trump needs to get rid of some arrogance and pride. Huh? I know we all do, but boy, he really does. And God cares more about his soul than he does his politics. God cares about the souls of his family and his children. Wouldn't it be wonderful if he became a preacher? Huh? I mean, come on. Paul was pretty political. Huh? He met Jesus on the Damascus Way, did a little bit of time in Syria, and came back out on fire for God. So God might still be answering prayers, but not in the way that we thought he would. God's ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. God cares about the heart of everybody. It's his will that none should perish. Amen. So start praying for those in office. Pray for those in the Senate. Pray for those, God, pray for those in the Congress. Pray for those on the Supreme Court. Pray for the president, the vice president. Pray for the cabinet members. Don't succumb. To the noise, okay? Thank you. All right. I took all my own time up, so I'm not going to give a message. I'm going to say this. I've got five minutes, my wife says so. Yes, if you'd like to change, now's a good time to do it. If you're going to change, just uh, go and, and, uh, and get ready. Yeah. Men... I have one rule, no Speedos, please. <laughs> right. I know the women don't need to be told, but you, you men need to be told some stuff. Sometimes you're a little mashugana. Water in the wine. That was what I sent out to you. So if the Lord allows, we'll deal with it again. Maybe, maybe we won't. I thought it was a pretty good teaching, but it's okay. Water into wine. And what I said was there's two realities that God has shown us here on the earth. And those two realities are the, are the perception of what we think it is, even with God, and then the reality of what it is with God. Many times our perceptions are presumptuous. We're presumed something because it seems to line up with what we think it should be or Somebody has told us it might be, or it's a prophecy that we want to hold on to or don't want to hold on to, or that we didn't 
We try to put God in a time box on. There's all kinds of reasons. But there are two realities. And as I wrote, in this realm of who Jesus is, one is the Son of Man who came into flesh and knows how to deal with the flesh. The other is the Son of God, always God in the Spirit. One is God in the flesh and the other one is Creator. And so in these two realities, there's nothing more vivid of what we see than in the testimony in the Gospel of John for the first miracle that was recorded of Jesus Christ. Now, it says it was the third day and there was a marriage in Cana, verse 1 of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto his mother, Woman, what have I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said unto the servants, Whatever he says to you, go do it. (laughs) Jewish mother, Italian mother, take the spoon out, you do it. Jesus caught in a quandary. Now, stop right there. Do you really think that was the first miracle he did on earth? No. His mother knew better. She saw things. She probably saw him at the dinner table, and he didn't want to get up and go get the spoon, so he went, whoop. (laughs) Or maybe there wasn't enough food on the table, and somebody came to visit, and He just quietly turned his back, and all of a sudden, there was another prime rib sitting there with A1 sauce waiting for him. You know, I'm hungry. She knew. She knew who he was and what he could do. And the mother's instinct said, now's the time. We need wine. Why? Well, let's go real quick, real quick. And there were set six water pots of stone after the matter of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Two or three firkins apiece is 20 to 30 gallons. So you know how heavy that is at eight pounds a gallon? 160 to 240 pounds. So she tells these servants who probably said, what's the matter with this crazy Jewish woman? They say, go get those pots. Notice there's six of them. What's six the number of? Oh. Do you know what the composition of water is in the human body? Hmm? About 60%. In the brain and in the heart, about 73%. Or it's going to turn your hearts from stone. And interestingly enough, in the lungs, 83%. This is the air I breathe. So she says, go get those six pots. Do whatever he tells you to do. Well, he didn't tell him to do anything yet. He just told his mom, I don't want to do this. She set him up. Because she knew it was the time and she had the faith. Beloved, Jesus will respond, not because you set him up, because it's the time for your miracle. And he's already got it destined and planned out. And the percentages are with you. And everything that he does. And so we get a glimpse of two realities. The reality of Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, the fleshly Jesus, the one who played, the one they knew. I'm sure there were children that grew up with him and played with him. 
I'm sure there were men and women who fellowshiped and knew his family and socialized with him. He was known to them. Notice that he didn't ask them for their faith to do the miracle. He simply did it on the call of his mother. He didn't rely on anybody else's faith. It was declared. And then, here's what we see. And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Now remember something. He didn't have a hose. (laughs) They didn't drag the hose out and stick it in the pots. They had to go get the water. Now whether they brought the pots to the water or the water to the pots, that was a lot of work. I mean, how many gallons did a jug hold in that day? One? Two? How many trips did they make? How long did it take to fill the water with the pot? And then something very, 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 very strange happened. And as they filled them up, he said to them, Now, take out and take to the governor of the feast a taste of this. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that there was made wine and knew not where it came from, but the servants knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, Every man at the beginning sets forth the good wine, and when men are, are well drunk, then they put the worst wine in, and they keep the good wine until now. And this was the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. His disciples believed him. Just for a fact, do you know how many grapes it would take to make 160 to 240 gallons of wine over one ton of grapes? You know how many bottles of wine that would be? Almost a thousand. Almost a thousand bottles of wine. The best wine. Jesus does things in a big way, doesn't he? I don't think all of the people there could drink all that wine. I mean, if it was as good as they said, they were dragging them by their feet out of there before they could go home. They had to call Uber so nobody was driving. People were giving each other their keys and they were too drunk to do anything. Wine abundant, overflowing, spilling out. Perfect wine. Two realities, beloved. And I'm going to close them up with this very quickly. He changed water into wine. He transformed the natural into the spirit natural of God. And that's what he does with you and I. He transforms it. And he doesn't do it just one time. Because once you're in Christ, you're like a good wine. You're supposed to age better. Until you are, you're like a fish. You age like stink. Nobody likes a fish that ages, right? You got to get rid of it. That's the flesh. The flesh stinks. I call him Frank Flesh. Sometimes I call him Frank Stink. That flesh stinks. But God is transforming us from a glory unto glory, his word says. He's not satisfied with one transformation. 
because he realizes we can't get there all at one time and we never do get there until we see him as we know him and we'll know him when we see him because we'll be just like him. (laughs) So he keeps doing the work and the process and that might sound to you like a lot of work, but it's not your work, it's his work in you. And he's gracious in mercy and he says, come to me, just thank God. He lets us come to him just like we are, huh? Because none of us would make it. I know I wouldn't. And thank God he's never done transforming. Because I don't even like the guy that was yesterday that was me. I like the one better today. And I'm excited about the one tomorrow. And I'm happy that old things have passed away and all things are new. And that I can call myself a new creation person. Because God's doing the work. I'm happy that my children, your children, our spouses, our loved ones, our grandparents, whomever it is, our friends, our bosses, whatever it is, I'm happy that they are about to become a victim of the rescuing of Jesus Christ. Because that's who he is. That's who he is. I'm happy that it doesn't matter who has an addiction or what they've come from or going through or what their past was or how much they've been hurt or what the, what the nightmares are that they've seen. I'm happy that God turns that water into wine at the very name of Jesus. And so transforming from the natural into the supernatural He challenged the religious system at its core. What's the next thing he did? You read it yourself in John 2. He made a whip. He went into the temple. And he started slapping everything. Jesus. Kingdom of God is violent. Now don't put that in place with what just happened up at the Capitol. That's a whole different ball game. What he did was he showed the religious system that it wasn't going to be business as usual anymore. And he showed that the business of the religion, the business of the ministry, was circumspect to God. Beloved, if there's any prayer we make for the religious system of the body of Christ here on this earth, now it's a purging. The businesses of the ministry need to come under Christ. Not just do the business of Christ. They need to come under Christ. All of them. That doesn't mean some are and some aren't. Let it fit where it fits. But that needs to happen. And then, he moved time. Jesus moved time. His mom told him, do this now. Jesus said, it's not the hour. He was waiting to hear from the Father when it was supposed to start. Because he was still in the flesh. Sometimes we race ahead of God. Sometimes we race behind God. Sometimes we get so passionate for what we want that we think we need to do it right now. And we think we're really preparing when what we're really doing is distracting. And setting up expectations that aren't really... God's blessing. But all of a sudden, Jesus said, okay, woman. He called her woman. 
He said, okay, go get the pots. Ah, ma, what are we going to do? He moved time. And so what happens is he gave us two realities. That the time of the natural is subject to the spiritual time of God. And he took the natural of the water and the moment of the need, and he met it with the kingdom of God coming down on earth. That's how we need to pray right now. That's who we need to be. Insert the kingdom of God into everything that we're doing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will supply all these needs that you have. Slow down. Rest in God. Jesus took the natural now, and he turned it into the supernatural when. In John 23 through 25, read it yourself. He exposed the hypocrisy of shallow, selfish faith that's not grounded in the love of the Lord. And finally, it leads up to John 3, which is what we're going to celebrate right now with the baptism. Jesus said, John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you see the progression? Do you see the progression? All of this, all of this, so that you and I not only are born again to be filled with the new wine, and the wine that continues to pour out of us and through us and into us, but so that we can see the kingdom of God. You want purity and truth and clarity in your life right now in every aspect? Put on those glasses that see the kingdom of God. All of the other stuff is smoke and mirrors. It's, it's a truth today that's not a truth tomorrow. It's important to you today and it's very unimportant tomorrow. I remember one of my darkest hours in business, not, not in personal. Oh my, I didn't think I was going to survive another day. And I remember seeing my Jewish accountant. He's retired. We had gone to school together. And I said to him, I'm done. I said, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get it, make it tomorrow. And he looked at me <laughs> with that Jewish wisdom of an accountant. He says, hey, go home, take two aspirins, go to bed. Let's talk about it in the morning. And guess what? By morning, I had a download solution. It wasn't easy, but I crawled back up and clawed my way out. Beloved, we need to take two pills, <laughs> grace and mercy, take a rest, get some sleep, get some rest. You know, when it's all getting crazy, turn the lights out. Close your eyes. Jesus. Jesus. Amen.